0: The Flyover State Sports Show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. back to the Fly Overstate Sports Show. I'm your host, Sam Long, and I am joined by nobody. You are stuck with a Fly Overstate Sam show because Beans has a real job that he can't get out of and Gavin's on a work trip. So while Beans is running the hardwood and Gavin is in Louisville, Kentucky, you're stuck with me today. So today's show is a very special one. We are going to go over the Super Bowl And what happened in the game. Um, We're going to recap some of it and we're going to talk big picture items. But first, I do want to say, you know, it is a very sombering day. Um, It's never easy to uh, talk about things like this. But unfortunately, at the parade today, we are recording this. The day of the parade, there was a shooting that took place at... The parade at union station and nine people are injured one person is dead and a lot of the people were children and so we don't want to get too political on the show that's not exactly what everyone is coming here for um if you ever want my opinions on those things i'm more than happy to tell you in a closed setting um The only thing I will say is, is that this happens far too often. It's very unfortunate that things like this happen. And it's very unfortunate that a day of celebration has turned into a day of tragedy. We want to extend our deepest condolences to the family or families who have lost someone. We want to offer thoughts and prayers to everyone still recovering or attempting to recover in the hospital. So, it's very hard to transition from that into game. Um, You know, things are very intertwined. Um, Horrible day for such a great last couple of days. Um, The only way to move forward with this is to go forward with this, so we will. Um, The Kansas City Chiefs did win the Super Bowl, and that's what we're going to start our coverage off with today. Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Um, They defeated the 49ers 25-22. Sam, I believe, was wrong either all four times the Chiefs played this playoffs or just one or he just got one right. He might have picked Miami to win. I think he picked Miami to win though. Okay. So I think I I think I went 0 for 4 in my predictions, which is astounding, honestly. But the Chiefs won 25 to 22 and overtime, it almost took the entire overtime period. It was the longest game in Super Bowl history in terms of clock. So, you know, little recap. Basically, the 49ers had control of the game for the most part in the first half and honestly had control of the game for the first three quarters. Um, unfortunately for San Francisco, um, while they had control of the game, they could not capitalize on that control. San Francisco only managed to score 10 points in the first half, only ended up getting to about... 13 points by the end of the third quarter, um, settling for a lot of field goals, not getting a lot of touchdowns due to turnovers. And unfortunately, while they dominated on the most part, on defense, Kansas City was able to scrape by a touchdown due to a punt hitting off the heel of a 49ers punt returner and then Raider and McLeod trying to pick it up and missing it. So realistically Chiefs are down 10 to 3 at halftime after the after the punt miscue, Chiefs score one play, up 13 to 10. Niners get it to 16-13. Chiefs match 16-16. Niners kick field goal to give 19-16 and then Chiefs tie it overtime, Niners field goal, Chiefs touchdown, ball game, right? Pretty standard stuff. Um, I don't necessarily know where I want to start with the game. I think I want to shout out Unsung Heroes first. Um, there's a lot of different Unsung Heroes that are never going to get quite the shine they should. Um, I'm going to start with the guy that I think, honestly, should have won Super Bowl MVP. Um, And that's Harrison Butker. Um, I know that's a very controversial take, but I honestly think Harrison Butker was very close to winning Super Bowl MVP because in overtime, the Chiefs had the Niners stopped on 3rd and 12, and McDuffie got a holding. And I genuinely feel like they would have... You know, if San Francisco punts, Kansas City just needs to score. You get in the field goal range around the twenty, you're just gonna give it to Butker. Suddenly you win the game twenty two to nineteen. You've only scored one touchdown pat or one touchdown. So suddenly Harrison Butker has made five field goals. Mahomes has one touchdown, one interception, and probably like three hundred yards. A lot of rushing yards, mind you. But Harrison Butker had to play a perfect game for Kansas City in order for Kansas City to win. Patrick Mahomes did not have to play a perfect game because his defense was playing very well. Um, And so many other things, too. Harrison Butker also... I mean, Jake Moody made the longest field goal in Super Bowl history, and then like a quarter and a half later, Harrison Butker did the same thing. So for me... Just looking at it, I thought that Harrison should have been Super Bowl MVP because he pretty much won the game. I know that that's a little unpopular with how Mahomes closed it, and I think Mahomes earned the MVP with the last two drives, obviously, but Butker, I think, was kind of the guy. And I know Butker's been getting a lot of shine, but... Words can't describe how different the season is if Butker isn't damn near perfect the entire year because the offense struggled and sold for a lot of field goals, but it didn't matter as much because we made them and the defense held up. Um, Unsung hero number two is Leo Chanel. I mean, Leo Chanel blocked an extra point, which... Allowed Kansas City to not need a touchdown at the end of the, uh, at the end of the first quarter, or end of the fourth quarter. Um, Leo Chanel also had numerous big plays, some TFLs, like, just a lot of stuff. Leo Chanel was flying around everywhere, playing great, or whatever. And Nick Allegretti is the other guy that I want to talk about, because apparently he tore his goddamn UCL, uh... I can tell you, as a former offensive lineman, your elbows are important. And I could not imagine tearing my UCL and trying to block guys like Javon Kinlaw. And, like, if Javon Kinlaw is even still on that team, to be completely fair. But, like, Eric Armstead. Like, how are you supposed to block Eric Armstead and Hargrave with, you know, no UCL? You know what I mean? Like, it's just ridiculous. I don't know how you would expect that. I don't know how he did it, honestly. Um, and then I'm there's millions of other unsung heroes. Honestly, Richard James uh, fielding that punt where he got clotheslined by Chris Conley, who also was fantastic uh, for San Francisco. I mean, that's a big, like, play of no consequence, if that makes sense. Like, him not fumbling that is massive. Um, But, yeah, uh, this game was a perfect representation. I feel like a lot of people talk about championship pedigree. And guys who have been there, done that, and this was a game that had that written all over it. Because other than LeJay Sneed getting that unsportsmanlike conduct penalty... Like, Kansas City was pretty level-headed. They made a lot of mature plays. They made a lot of the little plays, right? Little plays that go miles when they stack up. And San Francisco, like, didn't make those little plays. In fact, San Francisco made a lot of very negative plays, especially when you consider how many times Chris Jones was able to speed up Brock Purdy to cost them a touchdown. Chris Jones probably saved about eight points off the scoreboard by himself, by just being dominant. And that that's kind of one of the reasons why, I know a couple weeks back, we talked about, if you could only bring back one, is it Chris Jones or LeJaris Sneed? And it's like, well, Chris Jones is, like, you know, that guy. Like, Chris Jones is, like, Elite, elite player. Like, LeJair Sneed's good, but, like, I... Again, like, corners are... Corners aren't a dime a dozen, but corners, like, you lose half a step and you're cooked. Like, Chris Jones is just a massive difference maker. Like, in all aspects of everything. Um, So... I think now is the right time, though, to talk about kind of the overtime period. I know that that was kind of a big con- controversy, right? Uh, Kyle Shanahan, you know, apparently didn't teach the 49ers the new rules of overtime. They wanted the ball first so they could get it first in sudden death. I honestly don't fault. Kyle for you know doing what he did um, I think there's a benefit to having your defense come off the field and be able to rest in that scenario um, I think that I think there's no way to know that Kansas City isn't going to kick an extra point either if you score a touchdown um, I know that it's been made that Kansas City would have just gone for two. So having the ball, quote unquote, third or first in sudden death uh, doesn't do anything for you uh, because, you know, you're never getting the ball third. The team is dictating. Honestly, I like this idea of overtime that both teams are getting the ball because it creates a big cat and mouse game from that scenario and honestly I think one of the strategies that someone like a Dan Campbell is going to take is they're going to take the ball first. They're going to try and score and then they're going to go for two. And like if they get it, then like like if you if you go first and you go for two and you get it like the worst possible outcome is that you get the ball first in sudden death overtime, right? Like, that's the worst-case scenario. Now, if you miss it, the worst-case scenario is, is, like, they score a touchdown, you're going to lose on an extra point, and you're going to look like a complete jackass. But, like, Dan Campbell doesn't give a shit about looking like a complete jackass, you know what I mean? But the one complaint I had about overtime is... I didn't... I had no idea. And I'm not saying, like, I'm a rules guy. Like, I'm, you know, out there in the trenches, like, looking for, like, rules to, like, find. But, like, it was not really explained until, like, two minutes left by Tony Romo that the overtime period, like, doesn't end. (laughs) that it just doesn't end like when the clock reaches 0. I don't know why that's not communicated. It makes sense, right? It's like, oh, well both teams get to have the ball. So they they both get a possession, so possession like is continuous until they finish. It's like college overtime. Like there's no clock in college overtime. So I I guess, I guess I wish they would have explained that because I had people texting me and they're like, well, does Kansas City have to score in like seven minutes? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now, does it matter? Did it matter? Kansas City had timeout. So I would say no, not really. And they scored before zeros hit the clock too. So it extra didn't matter. Um, Tiki Barber is, like, the main offender of, like, oh, well, that, there's no urgency. Like, the Chiefs, like, had to score or didn't have to play against the clock. There's no urgency. rada radha, rada radha. And I'm just sitting here, like, but they, they scored before, and, like, they would have, like, played with a little bit more urgency, and they would have just used timeouts. Like, Travis Kelsey got down to the fucking four-yard line with 40 seconds to go, we would have just called one timeout and thrown the ball three times or four times, and you know what I mean. Like there's there's plenty of time. Like we're we're not hurting for time in that scenario. But I wish I wish they would have said something about that. It would have been a lot better on the soul, at least for me. But I. You know, I really enjoy both teams being able to get the ball. In my opinion, um, I, I think it's I think it's a good rule change. We didn't even see that rule change, by the way. Um, it's the it was the first overtime played under those new, new rules, but uh, that was just regular overtime to its core. Uh, because, I mean, like. San Francisco just kicked a field goal. So it was literally just like the previous overtime. Maybe the clock doesn't roll over into the second overtime for that possession. I Again, I'm not very sure how that works because, you know, I'm just not. Kansas City hasn't played in a lot of overtime games. NFL overtime in general is just like not very good in my opinion. I don't know why they don't I don't know why they don't adopt, basically, college overtime is what I'm getting at. Start. But, whatever. But, yeah. So, I mean, that was pretty much the game in a nutshell. I mean, I was thinking about where I ranked that game in terms of objective, like, me watching. And I started watching and remembering Super Bowls. Super Bowl, like, 39, Patriots-Eagles. And so, like, I'm going through, like, my Rolodex, and I'm, I'm just going to name Super Bowls that I'm pretty confident were better. And that Chiefs uh, 49ers one that I had watched, um, this is kind of a fake pseudo-Sam list, I guess. Um, but, like, that was a really good game. Um, but it, was, it it wasn't better than 43. 43 is uh, is Steelers Cardinals that's the San Antonio Holmes catch like that that Super Bowl is like top three ever probably. Like that that Super Bowl is insane. Um, like I mean I think it's better than 42. 42 is like such a boring super- it ended like 17 to like 14 or something. Like, it it was seriously just such a boring Super Bowl. When you, like, really boil it down to, like, what happened. Like, nothing happened. The Giants, like, tried to bleed the clock the entire time. Tom Brady's just getting sacked. And then, like, David Tyree, like, catches a crazy ball and the Giants win. Like, that's just kind of what happens. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, okay, like, sure, (laughs) whatever. Whatever. But, like, 43 is better. Um, 44 and 45 and 46 were fine. 47 is the light game. So, like, that one, I mean, that one was, like, decent. Um, 49, I think, is the next one that, like, comes close. That's, like, the Malcolm Butler interception game. I don't think it's quite better. Then that one, it's it's up there, though. 50 kind of stunk. 51, in my opinion, is, like, also a top 3-5 to Super Bowl. 43 and 51 are, like, absolutely ahead of this game. um, For sure. Like, no question. And then, like, 52 is also just nuts. Like, the Eagles and Patriots just scored a billion fucking points. Like, if you love offense, that's the game to watch. And then, like, 53 stunk. Honestly, Chiefs Niners 1 kind of stunk, too. rams Bengals also kind of stunk. Like, a lot of stuff just didn't happen. It, it, it was just one of those things where, like, the Bangles were, like, in the lead for a lot of the game. And then the Rams just eventually came back. Um, But it wasn't, like, anything crazy. Um, I, I think last year though uh 50, 57 57 I think is like a really underrated Super Bowl I think it would be held in much higher regard if the chiefs would have just converted that third down <laughs> instead of it being a defensive holding goal I think that probably would have put it in high regard because that game was nuts um but yeah I mean like for since Super Bowl like 39. I think thirty nine, thirty eight around that time. I think this one is like top like eight for sure in terms of best Super Bowls. Um, I think it's probably top five, but like I, I, I'm not like thinking I'm not writing anything down. So, but it was a great Super Bowl. Most people watched it, or it was like the most viewed like CBS like whatever like obviously, haha Taylor Swift whatever. But you know. It was, a, it was a good game. Like, yeah. sorry if you missed it. So we'll do a little offseason talk here now. Um, you know, we can gush over the game for as much as we want. But we don't really need to do that. I mean, it's been talked to death. Um, I think now, though, Kansas City has a lot of free agents this year. Like Willie Gay, Clyde, jump off the pages, guys, who might not be back. The two Titans are obviously Chris Jones and LeJerry Sneed. And the wide receiving the the wide receiver core still needs revamped, right? Like just because Mahomes won two Super Bowls with essentially a wide receiver core of M V S Justin Watson and then Rashi Rice slash Juju Smith-Schuster with Kelsey being there. Like, yes, Kelsey is great. Like, he makes up for a lot of this wide receiver core being horrible. But Kansas City really does need to bring someone in who can, like, help them. (laughs) I guess you can add McCall Hardman to that mix, too. He was technically here for both. I don't necessarily know what Kansas City needs to add, though, is the problem. I, I kind of want to say they need to add, like, a big physical receiver, like a red zone guy, like a Mike Evans, a New, New Hopkins. But, like, Kansas City makes a lot of their money off of rack yardage, and guy like that kind of doesn't fit. Like, I don't know. It kind of feels like... It it almost feels like they'd be after a guy like Xavier Worthy, who, like, is also just a guy who, you know, can win in the slot. He's really fast. He. It's like McCole Hardman, but, like, you know, better pedigree McCole Hardman. And I feel like that's a guy who they're going to target... Like, him and, like, Troy Frank- Franklin's another dude who, like, is a great yak receiver. Like, him, tr- like, Worthy, Troy Franklin, like, those type of guys are the guys that I, like, think they're going to target. That have a chance to be available there. Um, But in my opinion, I know that the receiving court needs work. I think you can address that in the offseason like, for free agency. I think there's guys. I I think that there are guys who you can get, who can make it decent, and I think there's mid-round receivers that you can get that can be contributors. I personally think Kansas City needs to go draft a tackle, is what I think. I think the Chiefs need to go find a young cheap offensive tackle and that's because Joe Thune is getting older and his contract is going ever further into expiring territory and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith are both going to be entering the last years of their deal very soon I'm pretty sure it will be I'm pretty sure that both those guys will be in the last year of their deals this next season. So you have two pretty good offensive linemen, one of which is, like, an all-pro-caliber center. You're probably not re-signing both. You might not even re-sign one. And I think you need to get out in front of the market. Like, like... We don't, we don't want to be draft trying to fill in, like, three offensive line spots in one offseason next year. It's better if we solidify the left tackle right now, and then we can redo the interior of the offensive line. Because as much as everyone doesn't like Juwan Taylor and doesn't like his contract, if you draft a rock-solid guy at left tackle, you have your bookends, Right. Suddenly, it's bringing back one of Creed, one of Thoney and then you're, you know, replacing the interior. I think the Chiefs would be best served to draft an offensive tackle. It's a deep offensive tackle draft. This year, I think you try and get, I don't want to say you try and get one of the blue chippers, because I don't think you're going to be able to get up high enough to draft a blue chipper, but kind of one of the things that happens is when you have a really deep draft at a position group, especially when there's a lot of quarterbacks around. Lots of teams will start passing on that position group because they can get it later in the draft. Suddenly, we're drafting, you know, if there's three wide receivers that are really good between Romo Dunze and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors, suddenly we need to grab one of those three elite wide receiver prospects because we could always draft the tackle in the second round. And that brings the offensive linemen down the board. It makes it easier to trade for them potentially, depending on who you want. I think that's the direction Kansas City should go is to draft offensive line and sign and draft a receiver. And then I think obviously you'll need to grab a corner as well. But that's kind of like the way I see our offseason playing from like a thousand yards out. So I think the thing I want to close this Super Bowl recap with for right now is I kind of want to talk about legacies and kind of what's staring the team in the face right now. So this is the ninth time that any team has ever repeated as champion in 58 years. So, for you math majors out there, that's about 1 in 6, which is about 16.5%. So, it happens less than 1 out of every 5 years, right? Ish, give or take. So, this doesn't happen super often. It's very special. It hadn't happened in 20 years which, honestly, is probably the longest it's been, like, ever for it not to happen. Um, it, and it's a very special accomplishment to be done in the salary cap era. You know, the salary cap wasn't around when Green Bay won the first two Super Bowls. And it was less of a thing when Dallas won their Super Bowls. Really when you look at the Patriots dynasty and you look at what the Chiefs are doing right now, we can call it a dynasty when it's over, right? I, you know, right now, I wouldn't even really call it much of Dynasty is so weird. Patri- what the Patriots did is really... I don't really even know how to describe it. It's less so a dynasty. Honestly, it's really more like two two ballistic runs of success in the early aughts and then in the late 2010s like is really what it is if we're being technical because that's they, they didn't win the Super Bowl for 10 years in the middle. <coughs> Excuse me. But those two are the most impressive feats because you're having to deal with the salary cap. You're having to deal with more teams. You're having to deal with more parity. Excuse me. (coughs) Wow. Holy shit. Getting choked up over... Talking about Tom Brady, it looks like. Jesus Christ. But, uh... Seriously, though. What the Chiefs are doing is very special. And it shouldn't be discounted. Um... And now they have an opportunity to go for a three-peat. It's... A three-peat has never happened. And teams almost never make it to the Super Bowl three years in a row. I think the Dolphins did it from Super Bowls 6 to 8. And the Bills went to four straight Super Bowls. They didn't win any, but they went to four straight. And the Patriots went to Super Bowls 51, 52, and 53. Uh, and like, that is the list I think of I I think that's the list of all the teams that have made the Super Bowl three years in a row that don't hold me to that because that might not be true but I'm pretty sure that's what it is is I'm pretty sure that's the list so I mean it making it to a third straight Super Bowl legitimately, does not happen like it's happened like three times maybe more so i mean you're already staring in the face of that right no team has really ever gotten the opportunity to go into the game for a three-peat either because new england like They won 51 and lost 52 and won 53. Like, they did not go into 53 under the guise of we might win three straight. So, Kansas City is, one, playing for the opportunity to be the first team to even have a chance to do it. And two, playing for an opportunity next year to do it. (laughs) Um, It's very hard to say that they will. I would be... Nothing shocks me anymore at this point, given Patrick Mahomes and, like, Kelsey and all that. It would be a major accomplishment to make the Super Bowl again. Um, It would be an extreme accomplishment to win it again. And I don't think that will happen. Um put me on record, I guess. I I don't think the Chiefs will win a third straight Super Bowl. But we've gotten to the point now where it's like they've already done the work on the first two. Now it's just, can the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? And the answer is yes. The Chiefs can obviously win the Super Bowl. But, I mean, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it's the greatest three-year stretch ever. Um, And you start having some real... Goat conversations with Patrick Mahomes. Right now, right now, we're having a bunch of fake goat conversations. Um, I want everyone to, you know, recognize I am a Chiefs fan. I really like Tom Brady, obviously. Like, that, that's not going to be a secret. But we are having absolutely fake goat conversations right now because we are like extrapolating what Patrick Mahomes is going to do. I guess. And we're very much, very much of what we're doing is expecting Patrick Mahomes to win, like, two or three more Super Bowls and retire in, like, seven years. We're pretty much just saying, like, oh, this guy's halfway done and he's just going to do it again and, like, that's going to be it. I need people to, like, understand that, like, Patrick Mahomes is just, like, first seven years starting Aaron Rodgers with like two extra Super Bowls, like I completely under. Now I understand the narrative around Brady completely changed when Brady won. When Brady won Super Bowl forty nine, that like changed a lot of things because at this time when Aaron Rodgers was ascending and people were like, "Oh, he's the best quarterback ever," Brady was stuck at. Three Super Bowls and hadn't won since 2004, and this Super Bowl would have taken place in like 2014, been 10 years. So we're comparing a guy with one Super Bowl to a guy with three, Uh, the guy had MVPs, obviously. The narrative really changed around Tom Brady after that comeback in Super Bowl 51, right? That's when Tom Brady was anointed the GOAT, he passed Joe Montana, like for sure, and then it really changed when he won fifty three, and he gets to six. And then it like was cemented forever when he got to seven. He beat Pat. He won without Bill Belichick. Like so, the narrative when we were comparing Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady changed a lot, and I mean a lot. By the time two thousand, like post two thousand sixteen. Because like Aaron Rodgers, what Aaron Rodgers basically was doing what Mahomes was doing minus like two Super Bowls until like 2016 happened, and then Brady just decided he was gonna win a fuck ton. Brady won a shit ton of like won three Super Bowls with the Patriots in five years, and suddenly, like the conversation was over, right? So we're, we're kind of just doing that again we're kind of just trying to crown mahomes for what his 15 year career outlook is going to look like when he quote does what he's always done um and there's two very brain-dead arguments coming from both sides of this for one like mahomes is absolutely not close to brady at this moment in terms of goat um for one, he lost a Super Bowl Damn, You can argue with whoever you want about the merit in which he lost and all that crap. But the fact of the matter is he lost. And even if he won, it'd be four to six right now. You could make a more compelling argument, but still. Like but the problem is is Pat is not even like halfway to Brady's stuff. Pat isn't, like, close career-wise to, like, any of the career numbers yet. That's a longevity thing. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Pat does have two MVPs, but, like, it's just two MVPs. Like, Brady, I think, has... Brady, I know, has two, might have three. I can't remember off the top of my head. shows you how much I prepare. But, like, I think the really unpopular take is you want to talk about Mahomes, right now, I think you can firmly, if you want, when you tier it out, like Brady is obviously, like, it's like Brady, big gap, Joe Montana, little gap, and like Peyton Manning and John Elway are like in that next tier for me, right? And Mahomes has to be there. Because there are only three quarterbacks ever with multiple MVPs and three Super Bowls. And uh, the list is uh, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and Patrick Mahomes. So I I think for right now, if you're looking at where Mahomes is career-wise, to me, he's number five. Which literally all Mahomes has to do... To get to number three, in my opinion, is to keep playing, compile stats, and don't look like a jackass when Andy Reid retires. Uh, And that's it, right? Like, you're number three all time, probably. The end of your career might be soured because you didn't ride off into the sunset, like Tom and, you know even Joe, Joe Montana uh, not Joe Montana uh Peyton and uh Elway I mean if you do everything in the first seven years and then don't do anything in the next seven like it's gonna kinda look bad but I mean I, I think it's okay to say Mahomes isn't close to Brady but is also like top ten all time because that's what the accolades say like assuming Pat doesn't suffer major injuries like He's going to end up like top 25 at minimum, possibly top 10 in like all these different passing categories. And it's going to be like, okay, well, he has all the stats and he has those accolades. And he's just going to be a guy who like when they ask about the argument for why you should be in the Hall of Fame, they're going to like have someone stand up and be like he's Patrick fucking Mahomes and then he's going to sit down. But I think the other, like, disingenuous argument, too, that I've seen... Because it, it the disingenuous argument is, like, putting Pat, comparing him to Brady. Like, that's the first thing. But, like, the, pr- the thing that I find funny is the people that are defending Tom Brady, A, don't need to defend him at all. You're arguing with teenagers at this point. Like, that's really what it is. But, like, they talk about how it's like, oh, well, Tom Brady, like his era of quarterback was, like, Ben Roethlisberger and, like, Kurt Warner and, like, both the Mannings and, like, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. And I th- we are, like, conflating a lot of those quarterbacks because, uh, like, a lot of those quarterbacks are great and really good. And, like, I'm not here to knock, like, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Peyton Manning because they're obviously really good. But they would be held in, like, such lower regard if they didn't eventually get Super Bowl wins. And right now, I feel like your Lamars, your Burrows, your Allens, like, and your Hertz's, like, all those guys are being held down because they haven't won anything yet. And it's just like, okay, like, they haven't had an opportunity to win anything yet. You know what I mean? Like... Mahomes is, like, artificially suppressing, like, some of those guys, right? The problem is is Mahomes isn't going to win every time. And if he does, holy shit. But, like, eventually at some point, Josh Allen is probably going to play in a Super Bowl. Probably. And Josh Allen might even win one, right? Like, Lamar will probably someday play in a Super Bowl and if he wins it holy shit how many players have two MVPs in a Super Bowl ring like Drew Brees doesn't have that like Peyton Manning has five MVPs and like two Super Bowl Super Bowl rings like I understand he's better than Lamar but like Aaron Rodgers got like three MVPs in one ring like how far away is Lamar Jackson from Aaron Rodgers legacy wise like you can talk about how much better Aaron Rodgers is all you want But like, there's just not a lot of two-time MVP, one one one-time, you know, Super Bowl winners, right? So we're just at this point right now where all the quarterbacks are brand new, and they're all the good quarterbacks because the previous like five years to Patrick Mahomes, your like 2012 to like 2017 drafts didn't produce jack diddly in terms of quarterbacks. It produced one season of RG3 and, like, half a career of Andrew Luck, right? Like, Andrew Luck should be, like, Andrew Luck should be, you know, like, Matt Ryan was, like, three, four years ago. Like, the really good quarterback who's, like, still really good. He should be, like, what Matt Stafford was two years ago. Like, Someone should have traded for Andrew Luck from the Colts like two or three years ago or this off season, or whatever. Like, I, j- just say. But, you know, legacy-wise, like, Pat's probably never going to catch Brady. Like, probably not. I think... <sighs> He probably never will. If he gets a three-peat, like, you know, he probably doesn't need to get eight titles to pass Brady. He probably could skate by with six or seven or whatever. Like, Brady has the head-to-head in that Super Bowl, but Mahomes is the only quarterback ever to go three in a row. So, depends on how you put those values, right? But, in terms of. Everything I think now is always the best time to sit back and kind of reflect. Um, Kansas City has played outstanding football over the past seven years, um, ever since 2019, basically, or 2018, excuse me, so six, seven years. Kansas City has been playing outstanding football for the last six years, and uh, it has been a joy to watch. Um, not... Many teams never get to see this, and fewer fans of those teams get to experience the success, right? There's probably tons of Cowboys fans who, you know, are Cowboys fans because of the 90s that never saw the team play in the 90s. Like, you know, they are bo- they got born in, like, the late 90s, and now they're Cowboys fans because, you know... Their parents are, or like, you know, Dolphins fans is a good example. Like, Dolphins went undefeated and then won another Super Bowl the previous year, right? And like, most, like all the fans nowadays didn't get to see that. So it's important to reflect on the time that we have now in terms of how good a football we're watching, and I think it's important for everyone to sit down, take a breath, and really drink it in. You know, there's the old office quote where it's like, I wish, like, you never know when the good times are until you're leaving them. It's like, these are the good times. We don't know when we're leaving the good times yet, but, like, this is it. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is it. It's really hard to win Super Bowls. It's Don't let the last five years, you know, fool you newer Chiefs fans because they went 50 years without even making it to the Super Bowl. Like, that's the thing. They didn't even make it. They just lost. (laughs) So it's very good for everyone to breathe it in, let it sink in. The last thing I want to mention today before I go off air is a couple of just quick hitters, quick notes. Um, one, Kansas City, the Royals, new ballpark design. Um, very excited about it being downtown. It's going to be pretty much right by the Sprint Center, pretty much right by Power & Light. It's the right thing to do for baseball, um, no matter what anyone tells you. Baseball is a very, very finicky game that plays on, that is a long game that can be boring to some people and is played all the fucking time. Like you have games on like Tuesday afternoons, right? Like Tuesday at like 2.30, right? So I'm of the opinion that not a lot of people will seek out baseball nowadays. It is... Not an event sport. That's kind of one of the big reasons why football is huge is football is an event sport. Like, you play, I mean, obviously, there's other games, but you play on Sundays. Like, college football is the same way. You play, like, you play, like, once a week. It's a big event. Like, it is a lead-up to an event. And college basketball is a little bit better, or is a little bit worse, but similar, because... It's like, all right, you're going to play this game on like Saturday or Sunday, and then you're going to play another game like on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, and they're almost like events, right? Weekdays is a little bit tougher, but it's like very scarce. Baseball is like not like that. There is ba- – like you, if you can't make it to the baseball game on Tuesday, you can go to the one on Wednesday. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you, and if you decide it's too hot on Wednesday, you can go on Thursday if you decide you don't like the team that they're playing on Thursday, you can wait like two days or you can wait like six days and they're back against this team or whatever like the next Thursday, right? Or the next Wednesday. Like there are so many opportunities to go to games. It's not an event. So moving it downtown is massive because you're just going to attract more people who are like, oh, I'm downtown. Baseball is here. Let's go to the baseball game. So I mean baseball is just one of those things. Basketball is the same way. That's why you don't see basketball arenas out in the middle but fucking nowhere for the most part. And if like they are, if those arenas are in like the middle but fucking nowhere, they have like an event like space next to it. Like that's why this baseball arena and that's why the T-Mobile Center are next to Power and Light. So that way you can go to the bar, you can get like you can hang out and then you go to the game, right? So that's what like what's gonna happen with that um, It's gonna be good it's gonna be good. people will get over like not being able to tailgate for a baseball game. like you get it you want to tailgate like you'll be fine. like parking isn't gonna be an issue. It's literally like nothing is going to really change like it's it's going to be positive. It's gonna be a shot in the arm for just the team in general. Whether they're any good or not is a different story, but you know, whatever, fine. And then the last note I want to touch on is I want to make it very clear, and this is like one thing I'm directly, you know, attacking Brett Yormark for because he's the one with the big quote going around. I do not want to see the NCAA tournament expanded under any circumstances holy hell can we please just keep it the way it is i didn't even i don't necessarily hate the first four but like you (laughs) know like i don't i like the ncaa tournament for what it is i do not need the ncaa tournament to get bigger um it is big enough To where I'm fairly confident that all the best teams are in it. And that if you are an at-large team and you don't get in, then, like, that's your problem. Because there's, like, 32 at-large teams. I understand that that is, like, 10%. Or that's, like, 10% of, like, college basketball. But at the same time, this tournament does need to be, like, prestigious. And I understand that VCU and UCLA have gone from first four to final four. I totally get it. But I refuse to let outliers dictate anything. I think the only way I'd be okay with the tournament expanding is if we got... Like, if there were more mid-major... Like, here's the problem. Let's say we go from 68 to 72... And, like, we make all the 16-seed games, like, play-ins. And then we make all, like, the last, like, eight teams play for play-in games. Like, that's not a huge deal. It makes, like, the first four, like, a full day of basketball on that Tuesday and that Wednesday. Which, honestly, isn't that bad. You honestly could make, like, a, you know, regional first four at that point. You could put one in Dayton. You could put one in, like, Las Vegas. You could put one, like wherever 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 it but like the problem is is what's going to happen is the four extra teams that get in are going to be like K-State this year where it's like I want K-State in the tournament right like I think K-State in the tournament would be great for me but like no one gives a fuck about the Big 12 team that finishes like 9 and 9 and is like 22 and like 12 or like 18 and, like, 12, or, like, 19 and 13. Like, nobody wants to watch that team play that other team. You know what I mean? Like, no one wants to watch K-State play Clemson, like, in a basketball game. Like, really? Like, I want to because I'm a fan, but, like, the neutral observer doesn't. So, I mean, I would be okay if, like, the four teams that got added were... I Basically, what I'm saying is I would be okay with adding those four teams if they were guaranteed to be like the top the top ranked like if they were the top ranked mid majors who missed who were going to miss the cutoff I'd be okay with that I don't think that's how the NCA like if it, it like, if it was going to be the top ranked, regular season champions of, like, one-bid leagues that didn't win their conference tournament. So we're talking, like, Mammoth, like, when they had that crazy bench mob, like, thing going on. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> and you could put, like, those four teams versus, like, the last four teams or whatever from, like, major conferences or just the last four in. Um, but, boy... Do I just not care, (laughs) you know what I mean, to expand this thing? Dude, if this thing ever went to, like, 96 teams, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, if this thing ever went to 96 teams, like, K-State would actually be, like, in the field right now, which is just a fucking joke. Like, K-State should not be playing for a national title this year. No matter what anyone says, like, 14 extra teams and K-State is, like, squarely, like, on the last four in line for no discernible reason other than like they play major co- conference college basketball and like BKU and Baylor, I guess. So I don't know. I do not want the tournament to expand. I think it's a bad idea. Um, it only serves to get bad major conference teams in, but they're going to do it because of consolidation. The PAC 12 went, dodo so like you know now it's like oh well uh, we gotta get more teams in because all of these other conferences are so damn big and it's like no we don't so I think that's it for my power hour today I want to thank everyone for putting up with me and you know putting up with my coughing fit that I had in the middle there uh, shout out to Beans and Gavin for missing the Super Bowl episode it's uh, always good to miss the Super Bowl episode Maybe we'll get another one next year. (laughs) Just playing, guys. But I want to thank everyone for putting up with me today. Um, If you enjoyed this episode or want to hear any content with me and Beans and Gavin, um, you can go to underscore underscore F3S. That's underscore underscore F3S on Twitter slash X. Um, That has all of our episodes tweeted out for you to listen to. You can also find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you type in Fly Over State Sports Show. So it's been a great time talking to you guys today. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the off season. We'll be starting draft coverage here shortly on the show. So if you're into that, tune in. Alright everyone, thank you again for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace out.